Welcome into the Lockdown NBA Playoff Preview. I'm Nick Engstead, host of Lockdown NBA, and I'm joined by Brad Rowland of Lockdown Hawks to give you everything you need to know about the Hawks going into the postseason. Brad, this team has been kind of the definition of mid, right? They've been 500 <laughs> for a long time. Um, what's the biggest on-court story for your team? I know there's been some off-court things with trade requests, new coach, all kinds of different things. What's the biggest on-court story for your team this year? It probably is exactly what you said. The fact that the Hawks always managed to get back to the middle. In fact, they managed to lose their last two games. They were threatening to be over 500 at the end of the season, <laughs> and then they happened to lose the last two, and now are 41 and 41. Perfect synergy. You know, as far as what you just mentioned, like they have some off-court stuff. The new coach in the middle of the season is probably the biggest storyline because that affects everything moving forward. But as for this season, they've just kind of been in the middle, and it's it's mostly good offense, bad defense. They're not mid at everything, but they are <laughs> hovering around that range, and it's been frustrating from top to bottom. New coach, uh, Quinn Snyder coming in. That, that was a, a big deal for this team. What have been the biggest differences on court between Quinn Snyder and, you know, the former coach? Yeah, I think it's been mostly the same. And I think he even admitted that like it's really almost unprecedented for a coach of his stature to come in midseason in the way that he did and take over a team that was trying to win. Like usually see if that happens, it's a team that's kind of out of it and you're resetting. But he came in and he's like, well, we're going to try to win. We're trying to win right now. And uh, he's left a lot of things untouched. He's, he's put some stamp on things, though. Offensively, they've been better since he got there, more free-flowing. I think that's probably the most natural place to start. The Hawks have had a top five offense after the all-star break. Unfortunately, the wins have not really come along with that, but they've looked like more than what, what they're supposed to be looking like on offense. This is a team that a year ago with Trey Young was number two in the league in offense that really had fallen off to being okay still, but not great offensively in the first half of the season. Now they're firing all cylinders, playing with more pace, playing with more spacing, more three-point shooting, et cetera, a little more of a uh, modern offense versus the old-school approach of the previous regime. Unfortunately, the defense is still lagging behind. Part of that's personnel-driven, but I think people are starting to see what, what Snyder wants to do offensively, which is a positive thing. Yeah, a, a, a new school offense with a also new school defense, which is none in the NBA <laughs> as, as of right now. Did Quinn Snyder bring in his bring in his own assistants? I don't know if, if I even know that. Like, did, does he just keep the same assistants that he had, or how did that work? It was very odd. Like, he he kept the same guys to his credit. Actually, he's got a lot of praise for that. Like, he could have just cleaned house, but it would have been awkward. Like, it's the middle of the season. You have to have assistants, and you can't really bring in a whole new staff in the middle of the year because guys have jobs. Like, you can't just bring people from outside. He did bring two guys in later on that were with him in Utah that are more like supplementary guys. But as far as like the core assistants that are on the bench with him, it's still Damian Millen's guys. So it's a little bit challenging. I think at the end of the season, you'll probably see an overhaul of some sort. But for now, it's Quinn with uh, Damian Millen's staff. That is really interesting. I'm, I'm so curious how that would work. And we'll probably never know because that's all in, <laughs> that's all internal stuff. But for the Hawks, what's their playoff rotation? What, what, are, the, what are the guys you see going into a play-in game and then maybe in a playoff series? What's the rotation is there anybody on the bubble that you're looking at yeah i think for the most part if they're healthy it's fairly clear at least the top nine and then you might get a tenth um their starters have been all year long when healthy you talked about trey young and Dejounte murray deandre hunter john collins Nick capella they were really good early in the year they've kind of regressed a little bit later on but that's their core five main group they also traded for sadiq bay who's going to be a lock to play as sort of a backup three four type you have uh, backup wings like Michael McDonavich, who's been a highly coveted like six-man type for a while, and backup center on Nick Kongwu, 
that's their top eight absolute locks. And then the ninth guy would be Jalen Johnson, their first round pick from two years ago. He's played in every game for a few weeks now and seems to be really impressing on both ends of the floor. So I think he's going to play. If they go any further, A.J. Griffin has been their standout rookie for this year. But as I just mentioned, he's a rookie. Rookies sometimes get excised in the playoffs. So he's the swing guy along with Johnson. And not coincidentally, those two guys are very young. This is basically their rookie seasons for both of them. Jalen barely, barely played in his first season. So if they go – sort of trimmed down it'll be probably at the absence of those two guys and they have their core eight and more what are the biggest strengths and weaknesses for the hawks we kind of mentioned the offense defense thing that they play but how do they win games and how do they lose games yeah they, they really win games with this explosive offensive attack you know having Troy young number one for all of his polarization he's an excellent offensive player there's no question about that he drives good offense he's an individual scorer, also one of the best passers in the league and when he's on the floor they are generally awesome on offense almost no matter who's who's around him you throw into jante murray and you have this this dual approach and for the first time in trey young's career basically they have someone who can actually run the offense when he sits on the bench which is obviously a uh, not a small thing if your uh, offense falls off completely when your star sits on the bench but generally speaking i think it's just mostly just the offense in general but also, they're good on the offensive glass. They're really good at taking care of the ball. That's that's probably their number one strength on offense, which you wouldn't probably think of for a team that is uh, you know engineered by this small sort of score first, pass first point guard. But the Hawks are perennially a top three team in the league in turnover rate. They never turn the ball over, and that really allows you to maximize possessions on offense. As far as where they lose games. For me, it's the perimeter defense, which partly is Trey Young. It's not all Trey Young by any means. I think he gets unfairly picked on for being the only problem, and he's really not the only problem. But I've been saying all year on my show, like perimeter defense has been their problem. They can't contain the ball. They can't they can't stay in front of everybody. And they put they put a lot of pressure on their backline guys and, and Capella and Kongwu and Collins are good defenders, but they're not complete and utter miracle workers. They have to stop people on the perimeter. And when they don't do that, they find themselves looking up at the scoreboard and not like liking what they actually see. What have we seen from that Trey Young and, and DeJounte Murray pairing? This is the first year that we've seen those two guys. It seems like, well, it's, they've, been, they've been 500, so it hasn't seemed to have incredible results. But what have we seen from those two? Yeah, it's been, um, I'd like to call it kind of meh. It's not been terrible by any means. Like, you would have expected if the Hawks were 500 this year, honestly, for that pairing to not have worked at all. If you told me only that the Hawks had played like this, I would have said, oh, it was probably a disaster with Trey and DeJounte. And it really hasn't been a disaster. It hasn't been fantastic, but the numbers are fine. They're uh, they're slightly positive with those two guys on the floor together. But you need to be better than that when you have that much invested in those two. A lot was paid in the trade for Murray. They're not a perfect fit together. They never were. But I think it's it's been still a lot, a lot of your turn, my turn. That's one of the projects of the Quinn Snyder era is trying to figure out how those guys work best together. And anytime they actually play off each other well, Snyder makes sure to mention it. I think he's trying to build that up behind the scenes just to say, look, guys, you have to use each other and not just play your turn, my turn, alternating. And it, it can work the way it's been done. But I think it's definitely an incomplete, but also it's probably like a C minus. It hasn't been horrible, but they haven't lit the world on fire, on fire either. I think that's probably indicative of their record because if it, if it had gone really well, they'd be better than this. What are the expectations for this team? They're going into a play-in. Do they expect to win the play-in, make the playoffs? Do they think that they're a, a, you know, a playoff team in waiting? What are the expectations for both the team, the fans, and then you? Yeah, I think realistically, they do believe that they should be getting into the playoffs. The math's on their side there, too, just because once you're in the 7-8 game, you get two chances. And if you just kind of do the math on that, you're more likely to get in than not when you have two chances. But they're, they're going to be underdogs in their first game in the play-in. 
and then you have to come back and win a winner die game, winner go home game, and that that makes life a little bit challenging. I think internally they definitely have that expectation to get in the playoffs and make some noise. I don't think anybody's just going to be uh, maybe at least with true sir. I'm going to tell you that they're going to go out go out and beat Boston or Milwaukee in the first round. That's not likely, I don't believe. But I think if they're at least competitive, especially after last year when they had a pretty embarrassing playoff loss to Miami, when kind of the offense melted down, it kind of prompted a lot of the changes that they actually made to be better than that. Get in the playoffs is probably the number one goal, of course, and then just not get blown out, not get run over, and have something to build on positively for the future. Because the one thing is, as soon as Snyder came in, it's kind of all shifted into somewhat future-facing mode for this team. They're not; they're obviously still trying to win now. But when you do that change midseason and invest a five-year contract in a new in a new coach, it becomes kind of a all right. Let's look ahead. Let's look ahead a little bit more. And I think they're probably still trying to do that while uh, managing the reality that all these guys want to win now. What are your expectations for this team? Do you expect them to – let's start with the, the Heat game. Do you expect them to win this first playing game? Do you expect them to be a playoff team? And where do you see them? Yeah, I think they have a pretty good chance to beat Miami. I wouldn't pick them. It's a road game. If it was in Atlanta, I'd probably pick them, honestly. I'm not very high on Miami this year, all things considered. But considering it's a one-game playoff on the road against Jimmy Butler, it's tough to pick the Hawks. I do believe that they will win the game on Friday if they need to, the second playing game. I think they're um, at least as good or better than Toronto and Chicago. I think they're better than Chicago, probably probably similar to Toronto. And having that game at home is very helpful. Plus, they have, in my, in my mind, the best player in the series with Trey. I shouldn't say series, mini series with Trey <laughs> Young. So I think they get in the playoffs. I think they probably lose to whoever they play in the first round in pretty, pretty convincing fashion, but not necessarily embarrassing either. They're probably more talented than the average seven or eight seed but uh, probably not going to be capable of winning either. So I'm expecting them to play for a few more weeks, and then it'll be offseason right after that. <laughs> the FanDuel line right now is uh, Hawks plus five against the against the Heat. So the, they're, an, they're a five-point underdog. Is that You think that's a fair line, and what do the, the Hawks have to do to overcome that f- those five points and beat the Heat? I think it's fair. I think it, that probably tells you that Miami is slightly better, and then you throw in the home court advantage, and that kind of gets you to five points. Um, I, I'd probably lean Atlanta, honestly, with that number because the Hawks can score on really anyone. I think the biggest thing is going to be whether they can stop Miami. And Miami's offense is not necessarily the most prolific in the world, but Atlanta's issues on the perimeter have been challenging. Jimmy Butler gives them fits a lot. And if you throw in the fact that Trey Young has always struggled against Miami, that gives a little bit of pause for concern. But I do think that in a one-game scenario, with the way the Hawks can play offense, the playing field gets leveled a lot. Like when you're number number two, number three in the league in offense over a two, three-month sample size, you can score on anybody, and that includes Miami. So I would lean to the Hawks and the points if you want to get uh, down and dirty with our friends at FanDuel. <laughs> Go listen to Brad Roland on Locked on Hawks five days a week all through the playoffs, postseason, I guess. Maybe we'll just say five days a week through the postseason <laughs> and then into the offseason as well. Go listen to Locked on Hawks. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us on the Locked on NBA playoff preview.